Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. March is Save Your Vision Month, and we'd like to bring awareness to the effect of diabetes on the eye. People who have diabetes could possibly go blind if they leave any possible diabetic eye diseases untreated. Dr. Kelly Mitchell is our guest today. He is a Texas Tech Physicians Ophthalmologist and professor in the School of Medicine's Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences. Dr. Mitchell explains why people with diabetes are at risk for diabetic eye diseases, what those diseases are, symptoms, treatments, and he tells us why, if you have been diagnosed with diabetes, to schedule an appointment with an ophthalmologist. Dr. Mitchell, welcome to our podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center? I'll be glad to. I'm Kelly Mitchell. I'm a professor in the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences. My area of interest and expertise is what is commonly called the back of the eye or the retina. And in that realm of ophthalmology, which is the area of medicine where we do eye surgery, I spend a great deal of my time taking care of patients with retinal diseases, specifically macular degeneration, retinal attachments. And I think today's theme diabetic retinopathy. Yes. And we wanted to give our listeners something to think about, something to consider, because I don't think everyone thinks about the effect of diabetes on their eyes. So can you tell us what effect does diabetes have on our eyes? And is there a difference between those with type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Sure, sure. So diabetes, the, the disease in which our body has a difficulty effectively managing blood sugar, it does impact our eyes. And I, there are two broad categories I consider. There's diabetic eye disease, which affects not only the retina, but it also affects other parts of the eye. So when we think of diabetic eye disease, I think of a couple things. One, people with diabetes, one of the early manifestations of diabetic eye disease is that, is that they may need reading glasses earlier. In fact, that's not an uncommon finding. Sometimes a 35-year-old will maybe visit their primary care doctor or maybe their optometrist and say, well, I'm having a hard time seeing the menu at restaurants or small print on a, a, a bottle of medicine or seeing the tiny print that goes across the TV screen. And then that may cause our primary care doctor to evaluate that patient for diabetes and sometimes will determine they have diabetes because they have a premature need for reading glasses. Another aspect of diabetic eye disease is premature cataracts. Cataracts are the hardening of the lens that our eye has. I think all of us that are probably younger than 40 think of cameras only in our phone. But for those of us that are older than 40, we remember cameras that actually had a lens that we focused. And that's kind of like our what our eye is kind of designed as. And so as we mature, as we age, our lens will get cloudy. If we're, if we're not diabetic, 
the cataracts typically become symptomatic maybe in our late 50s or early 60s. But if we're diabetic, sometimes cataracts become symptomatic when we're in our late 30s, early to mid 40s. And those symptoms could be registered or felt by the patient of noticing that when they're driving at sunrise or sunset, that glare becomes a difficulty, uh, that, that, that the sun seems brighter. So that's another indication sometimes when we see our primary care doctor or our optometrist and they're, and they're describing glare or cataract symptoms. That's another reason we sometimes discover diabetes in patients or in a patient that already has diabetes, we may, we may be suspicious of that. And then there are a couple other things that I, that I comment on that uh, sometimes um, you can develop an instance of double vision where the images are separated side to side. And that can happen in diabetic patients when the diabetes can sometimes cause a weakening of the eye muscle that pulls the eye out toward your ear. And so sometimes they'll develop double vision. And with that, they can sometimes develop a little bit of a droopy eyelid. So sometimes patients that have diabetes may notice they wake up and, oh, my eye, one eyelid's a little droopy or a loving family member or a close friend will notice, oh, your eyelid's a little droopy. And then they may also comment, oh, I, I'm seeing two of you side to side. And that can also be an indicative of what we call diabetic eye disease, and that's caused from a little bit of, of low blood supply to the muscle that, is, that pulls the eye outward and also the muscle that keeps the eye elevated. So those are the broad things of diabetic eye disease, but, but the big star is diabetic retinopathy. So diabetic retinopathy is the disease that affects, I'll go back to my camera analogy, it's the film in the camera. The retina is the film that collects the light and organizes all the little light particles, what we call photons, collects them and then sends them back to your brain for interpretation. So, but over time, Diabetic eye disease will affect the retina. And you had mentioned earlier, is there a difference between type 1 and type 2? Well, there is in the disease, and just to review for our listeners, type 1 diabetes typically means that you are you need insulin, that your body doesn't make enough insulin for you to safely live day in, day out. And without insulin, you would quickly get so sick, you'd need to be in the hospital. That's typically type 1. Type 2 diabetes is more commonly you have an inefficiency of using the insulin that your body produces. So you're probably not going to be sick enough without treatment to be in the hospital, but over time, you're going to need some type of uh, medicine. And eventually, sometimes it is insulin, but type 2, typically they'll manage maybe with other types of medicine that help make that insulin use more, more effective. And those types of patients with regard to diabetic eye disease, what, we, what the general kind of understanding or rule is, if you're diagnosed with type 1, now sometimes that happens when you're younger. Sometimes a child, an adolescent will have a, a flu or some stressful medical event and then the pancreas that makes the insulin finally just gets so tired it doesn't make any more. And then that patient acutely becomes type 1 diabetic. What we've learned over the years 
is that the eye disease in type 1 diabetics typically doesn't really occur to about five years after they've been diagnosed. Then it kind of increases from that point. Type 2 diabetics, which as they get older, their body eventually decides, oh, I'm not efficiently using my insulin for a couple reasons. As, as we get older, certainly it's, it's very well known, and I think in our medical literature and probably in society in general, that one of the risks of developing adult onset diabetes is when our height to weight ratio is a little less than ideal. It's when we feel like we have our patients carrying too much weight, and that doesn't allow for efficient use of our insulin. And so in those patients that eventually get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, we feel that their diabetic eye disease could actually be right there, right, right at that moment. And in fact, there are patients that come into our emergency room here at UMC or over at Covenant or any of the other acute care centers here in Lubbock, where their first awareness that they even have diabetes is they have a sudden change in vision, and that's due to the diabetic retinopathy. So one of the first things we like to do is if they're a type 1 diabetic, we like to have them see us at least within the first five years of when they're diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Type 2 diabetics, if they're just diagnosed, we like to see them within that first year that they're diagnosed because we're worried about some disease that is already there. Typically, at what age do you see these kinds of diseases? Sure. Uh, so I, I think type type 1, so if we take type 1 and then we think about when is the, let's focus, I think, from here on out probably on the diabetic retinopathy. We would probably say if they're well controlled, and that, that's a theme I want to weave into the rest of our talk, I, I think diabetic retinopathy is a disease I like to use a colloquialism. It's a disease that wants to live by the golden rule, meaning if you respect your diabetes and you take care of it, the diabetes is really going to try to leave you alone and respect the quality of life that you want to have. But if you don't take good care of your diabetes, meaning you let your blood sugars run very high, you let your blood pressure run very high, you let your cholesterol run very high, then the diabetic eye disease, the retinopathy, can actually progress much more quickly. And so then we can see real risk for vision change and vision loss and even blindness within 10 or 15 years of when they're diagnosed with, let's say, type 1. So I've had patients that have had very severe diabetic eye disease with permanent severe vision loss, sometimes blindness. They're seeing me when they're in their late teens and early 20s. Which, which really is sad to talk about, right? Those people have a lifetime of very poor vision. In fact, demographically, diabetes is the number one cause of blindness in adults if, in fact, they have diabetes. It's much more common than accidents, than macular degeneration, than even cataracts. Now, let's take type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is actually a more common cause of diabetic retinopathy, but as I said earlier, those patients tend to be a little bit older. 
I have had type 2 diabetics that are as young as in their 30s or early 40s, but most of my severely affected type 2 diabetic patients are usually in their 40s and early 50s. Same story, though. The patients that have it the worst tend to have a history of a real challenge of keeping their blood sugars, blood pressure, and cholesterol under control, and those patients then also struggle with uh, having significant vision loss and significant loss of quality of life because they can't see well. Does everyone with diabetes develop eye disease? I know you said if we respect the diabetes, it'll respect us, but can it come on anyway? And can someone develop more than one diabetic eye disease? Yeah. So, so I would say probably eventually everybody is going to have some findings of diabetic retinopathy. But if they've been very good from, let's say, let's just take a type 1 diabetic patient. And let's say they just really, from their adolescence or early 20s, they really were very good about keeping good control of everything, blood pressure, blood sugar, cholesterol, good height-to-weight ratio, exercised regularly, ate healthy, saw their doctor regularly, and along with their eye doctor. There's a chance that they could live the vast majority of their life with very mild non-vision-threatening diabetic eye disease. And so they could have quite good vision for really the vast majority of their life. Same thing with a type 2 diabetic. So the difference is, is that I expect all diabetics to have some form of diabetic retinopathy, but it's the mild, non-vision-threatening diabetic retinopathy that the patients that have the best control and, and, and the studies, the national studies, you know, we, I, could, I could quote fancy name studies, but really the, the data shows that if people do well, you know, live by the golden rule, if I said earlier, they can decrease the incidence of vision-threatening diabetic disease by sometimes 60, 70 percent. And not only their eye disease, but their kidney disease and the peripheral, what we call peripheral neuropathy, where they get leg and feet numbness, that also is decreased. Can you go over the symptoms of diabetic eye disease? Sure. So a couple of the subtle things that I just mentioned earlier is to review. If you're somebody who is in their 30s and you're really noticing that I really need, I think I need bifocals sooner than I should. My mom didn't need it until she was in her 50s or 60s, but here I am in my 30s and I'm having trouble reading restaurant menus or small print. And my doctor has told me, you know, you're maybe borderline diabetic or we want you to work on a healthy, um, you know, healthy weight for your height. That may be an indication to check with your doctor. If you're driving and you notice some glare, excessive glare that sunglasses don't really help, and maybe your eye doctor says, you know, you do have early cataracts for somebody in your age group. Those are two things. But probably for diabetic retinopathy, what you would notice is maybe a sudden 
awareness that your vision is blurry. Sometimes people will describe a smokiness, even a red hue, because you could be having a little hemorrhage in the back of the eye. I'm old enough to remember lava lamps. I tell people that sometimes you may imagine that you're looking at a red lava lamp, but it's inside your eye, that that's something that could be an early symptom of having some hemorrhage in the eye related to your diabetic eye disease or diabetic retinopathy. So how do you treat it? So treatment for diabetic eye disease, diabetic retinopathy, is actually an interesting historical journey. Treatment of diabetic retinopathy was one of the first nationally randomized controlled trials back, and that's a fancy word we use. It means that we had many retina doctors across the country agree to a standard treatment protocol at many different centers that was done in the 70s and early 80s. And we really proved, because if you, that way, that way you kind of eliminate the biases, you know, you really have everybody's buy-in. And we really showed that initially with prompt laser, we could really start to get control of some of these leaky, bleeding blood vessels. I make another colloquialism or another real-world analogy. Sometimes the peripheral diabetic eye disease that's causing bleeding is a lot like a little bit of a forest fire. And the laser is a lot like the fireman going in and maybe backburning a little bit of the woods right in front of where the forest fire is so that the fire doesn't have any fuel to burn. And then the diabetic eye disease kind of burns itself out. There's another form of, there's two forms of diabetic retinopathy that we have to treat. There's what I described earlier, the blood leaking from leaky blood vessels that I made the analogy of kind of a forest fire. There's also swelling of the retina, which is the film, and that's caused from smaller leaks of fluid occurring within the retina. There I make the analogy of like having a leaky pipe underneath your carpeting. You kind of know when you step on it, it's kind of wet and squishy. And if your retina has leaky blood vessels, the retina will be a little, it'll be swollen and it won't see as well. The retina likes to see better when it's nice and dry and thin. And you can think of a new sponge when it's nice and dry and thin, put some water on it and it kind of swells up. When your retina swells because it's wet, it doesn't see as well. Early, like I said earlier, with the bleeding type of diabetic retinopathy, we treated the swelling with laser. But over the last 15 years, We've really moved into a different realm of treatment of diabetic macular edema, uh, and that's with injections of medicine. And so now we inject medicine into the eye in my office, and many ophthalmologists do this, and all retina surgeons do. You know, we, we numb the eye carefully, and we clean the eye carefully, and, and then we inject a, a small dose of medicine into the back of the eye, and that medicine floats back to the retina and helps close off those leaky blood vessels, helps that retina become less swollen, also helps decrease some of that bleeding in the corners. And those drug therapies have really made the management 
of diabetic retinopathy really much more effective. And then the last part of treatment is for the really advanced cases of diabetic retinopathy where they've bled a lot and they've developed scar tissue and that scar tissue pulls the retina off the back of the eye. That's a type of retinal detachment. And then we have to deal with that surgically. And over the last 25, 30 years, our surgical techniques and our equipment have gotten better. So we're better at reattaching those retinas that detach because of the scar tissue induced by diabetes. But just like I said earlier, the people that have the best vision are those that get treated earlier with the most mild form of the vision-threatening diabetes. Because if we wait until the retina is really pulled away from the retina and really wrinkled, sometimes we can make the retina look better, but the patient doesn't see any better. Well, you've given us some uh, very good information here. How can we prevent or delay? I mean, what are some absolutely red flags that you say that you have to see a doctor right away, something that we can't ignore? Because I think most of us are pretty good at maybe ignoring a certain thing. Oh, well, you know, maybe I just didn't sleep right. I need to get my eyes sure. re-examined or something. What are some red flags? Uh, yeah, I, I would say generally for anybody that uh, will say with or just diabetes, uh, the diabetic retinopathy, I would say, okay, if, if I'm a type 1 diabetic and I've had it for five years, have I been seeing my eye doctor every year? And if you can't say that, that's a red flag. If you're a type 2 diabetic and you weren't seen within the first year of your diagnosis and then seen yearly after that, that's a red flag. So we should have that. The patient should be finding an eye doctor that can see them for that. Then beyond that, it's, okay, how am I managing my diabetes? Am I do Am I really keeping my blood sugar, blood pressure, cholesterol under control? I should know my blood sugars. I should know what my blood pressure goal is. I should know what my cholesterol is. That's another. If we don't know those things, that's probably a red flag also. Now, with regard to symptoms, it would be, okay, I have a, a either a sudden change of vision that in one or both eyes that within you know a, a half an hour, an hour, it's not something that – because sometimes you can have a, a brief – fleeting blurriness of vision, you blink it away, and then you're back, you feel like your vision's back to normal. That's not really diabetic retinopathy. It's when you have that odd little change in vision that increases that smoky red U, and, and people, we should say, you know, that I need to get seen. Now, I will say, if you don't have an eye doctor, and you're not sure what your blood sugar control is, and that happens, then that may be something where you may have to avail yourself, may have to go to one of those acute care settings like the emergency room or one of the places that has, you know, that has a, an acute care physician or healthcare provider open on Saturdays or Sundays. So I, I would urgently, if you have a sudden change in vision in one eye, that you don't have an eye care provider that you're seeing or don't have a family physician who knows, can refer you to somebody, then that would be something to visit an emergency room for, and they would probably get you seen within a day. So. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think the, the, the thing that I would just 
want to encourage, and I do this with, I think, my own patients, is diabetic eye disease and diabetic retinopathy is so, it's so common and that diabetic disease in our body, once we have it, we really have to kind of probably take ownership of that and really do our best to keep it under good control. Because as I said earlier, if you're type two and you really follow your doctor's instructions of you know, increasing your level of activity, making sure your height to weight ratio is healthy, a lot of times you can keep that under great wraps and, and really do well. If you're type one, then just managing your type one diabetes will really pay dividends decades down the road because without good diabetic control. Diabetic eye disease can make a person blind, even with our best care. And I just want to encourage our patients to really let, let, try to avoid that situation, that we really want people to enjoy a great life. And really, we really want people to have as good a vision as they can. Well, thank you again for coming on our podcast and giving us all this great information. It's a pleasure. Thanks for your interest. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, Kay Williams, and me, Melissa Whitfield. 